0: Welcome, everybody, to our first ever open marketing series for the Behind the Fluff podcast. If you need any resources, do make sure that you go to www.internationalbunch.com forward slash be inspired. My name is Lou Peck. I am the CEO of the International Bunch. And today I'm absolutely delighted to have with me Andrew Smith. Hi, Andrew.
1: Hi, Lou. Good so to So
0: Andrew here. is, actually, Andrew, you say who you are.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew Smith. I'm the uh, Global Product and Marketing Director at the Charlesworth Group.
0: Fantastic. Now, we thought we'd take this opportunity to have Andrew with us today. We know that um, many of our clients and our publisher clients and our intermediary clients are often looking at how they can explore opportunities in China. And the Charlesworth Group have a history spanning 90 years as a publisher services partner. And they are very well placed in China to give us some great insights and some hints and tips about what you can do. To improve your strategy in China. So, first of all, I'm going to ask you, Andrew, what does your role entail at the Charlesworth Group? Thanks,
1: Lou. So, yes, I um, I, I manage a few different teams here at the Charlesworth Group. I manage our global product team, which is. Uh, uh, based here in uh, in Europe, but also with developers uh, over in China. Uh, I also manage our author marketing team who uh, market our author services in both uh, Beijing and then in the UK, and then also our agency business, uh, which works with SDM publishers around the world, uh, but it's based out of Beijing uh, and promotes their services within China.
0: Fantastic. So I think you are really well placed for me to ask you some questions then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I work on a daily basis with uh, with our with our teams in uh, in in China. Um, I would have been in China every six weeks, uh, oh, wow. had COVID not uh, not not struck. So while I've been UK based for uh, for, for the last couple of uh, of, of years now, uh, I'm certainly working very closely with uh, with our with our colleagues in China.
0: And I'm sure that you're starting your days much earlier than many of us.
1: Yes, yes. My day <laughs> tends, to, tends to start around about 6am so that uh, we, can, we can start kind of mid-afternoon China time.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay, so um, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you some questions that are specifically marketing related. Now, um, the content that we produce is accessible and available for anybody who's in the publishing industry, um, works for an intermediary, anyone that has interest in marketing, But we do specifically do this content for marketers, but it doesn't mean it's just for marketers because there's going to be some great insights coming out of this. I am super excited about this because I want to learn more about China myself. So uh, one of the questions I have for you is when you're working with publishers and service providers, what type of marketeers are you working with?
1: So that tends to, to, to vary. Um, at the moment, we're working a lot with author marketing uh, and those who are really focused in terms of authorship, um, stakeholder engagement, uh, and, and signing new uh, new projects within China. So kind of marketing through to the editorial side of things within a publisher. Um yeah. We also have a, a large rights representation business. So, we work with a lot of uh, publishers for, for sales. Um, so, we do work with, uh, with publishers as well on uh, more traditional collection uh, marketing within, within the China market. Um, yeah. But, really, over the last couple of years, uh, we've had a lot of interest from publishers wanting to connect directly with authors, um, mm-hmm. especially around their open access publications uh, and around publications they're looking to grow in China. So, really, that direct author engagement and author marketing. They call the marketing is is where we've been uh, working the most in the the agency side of the business uh, over the yeah. last
0: year. Well, oh, fantastic. Um, I mean, open access. We're not going to talk about that now. We'll allude to that later. But open access um, adoption in China is really interesting and how it's increasing as well. So I can definitely see how that's been an increased trend. And I know myself from working with clients, but also from being client side, how integral the Chinese market or the market in China has been for publishers and intermediaries throughout the years it's an incredibly um huge market and often represents a vast amount of the percentage of subscriptions and published papers that publishers have for example so um how are those marketeers that you're working with how are they using your services and what for
1: so there's a number i think it really depends on uh, where you are with your your goals in china and also um your approach to that market, so you know we work with publishers that have got a full office in China and have had a presence there for a number of years through to those who don 't have any presence at all um, and we're the, we the, the, the sole marketing presence within the market so it really differs you know we can work as a partner um, for an organization providing specific services and complementing the the team on the ground or we can uh, do do the whole uh, area of of service so um, in terms of our services, what we're really looking at at the moment is that direct author marketing. Yeah. I think the, the key thing within the, the the China market is, you can't simply replicate what you're doing elsewhere. So if you want to take your you know US strategy and just translate the content, it's not necessarily going going to work in China. So where we really come in is to look at. Um, what are the aims of our customers in terms of the groups that they want to reach? And then working with them, uh, putting together a strategy and a content plan that uses some of their existing content, but also yeah. makes sure it's been localized and we're bringing through bespoke content that really aligns with their goals and the need and the, the wants of their, their, their particular customer
0: base. Yeah. I mean, that very much goes with the trend of how marketing has progressed over the years and now in marketing, it's very much about niche marketing, tailored marketing specific to certain segments and ensuring that you're having the right message that's delivered to the right people so that you can engage with those people and engage with the people that ultimately are interested in what you want. And it's definitely gone on the days of mass marketing. We just don't do that anymore. Um, so what sort of key, what are the key changes that you're seeing in marketing in China in the last few years?
1: So I think the the big shift that's happening is I mean first of all in SDM publishing with the the research policy changes announced last February yeah. that's starting to, to come through slowly so for instance um, targets around number of publications has, has been dropped um, the impact factor is still important yeah. uh, but there's obviously an agenda to move away from from impact factors yeah, and there's yeah. also a big push um, to increase the size of the domestic Chinese SDM publishing market and encourage in- 30 percent of, of published papers towards domestic journals yeah, so yeah. the key there for, for marketers around author marketing is you need that direct relationship with your your stakeholders um, you know in previous years if you had a journal with a good impact factor um, that probably did a lot of the marketing for you so you know you weren't needing to to have that direct relationship but yeah. in a world where um the The policies within China are changing, and also your authors are more likely to be publishing open access um they 're potentially far more interested in open access now than than they, they 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 were then you really need that direct relationship with the author and you 've really got to look at investing in your your brand um, yeah. so that really uh, is reverberating well in in china so the first point is really will be to start off with looking actually where you are in terms of your, your profile in China. And this is what we do a lot with with clients is uh, yeah. we can do media monitoring and uh, we really look around actually what are the mentions of your brand? Are they positive? Are they negative? Um, is there any misunderstanding about what you do or negative sentiment in the market around maybe some of your, your publications? Yeah, um, And from that, that really allows us to kind of start to benchmark um, what we need to do to take forward. So um, is it a matter that it's actually a, your brand isn't that well known? So, you know, you maybe have some titles that are well recognized, but as a, a publisher, your your brand isn't that strong. Um, or do you have other issues in that actually outside of China, you may be quite happy with how your brand is is seen and your brand strategy. But within China, because you haven't necessarily had a presence, um, there's maybe a lot of uh Um, half-truths and and misunderstanding that's been exchanged in social media over the years. Uh, And actually, this has kind of compounded to the point where you've you've got a bit of a problem around how you're seen in the market.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting, that media monitoring side. And I think in the Western world, we take advantage of these different services that we have because we often use different online services like Google, for example, or Bing or whichever service. And we can set up alerts and things, but it's not—it's not as easy in China. And I think what's really interesting is that it's our publishers pulling in that specific part of the um, their strategy when they're looking at how they react to what's in social. Are they thinking about yes, we are monitoring on the WeChat side, for example, or whichever services is that that they'll be using in China? And um, I think that that's. Um, And the great thing is is that you can also see like the discussions that are happening as well. So um, when we, so also I think what's interesting with China is in the last couple of years, how I've seen the changes that have been happening in terms of how um, different organizations in China have been adopting DORA and that real move to move away from impact factor. And like you said, it's, it's still very much there but there is a sense that they want to move away from it. And also, I think what's interesting is, is what you mentioned in terms of how they want to ensure that there's um, the publications of their own domestic journals and the content that's going in there. So effectively, um, those publishers outside of China are also in competition mm. with what is being supported heavily by the Chinese government. Um, because, you know, why, why wouldn't you? They're your own country's journals um, but then of course you see publishers who will launch journals in china as well to help to address that balance mm. um, so there's lots of really interesting stuff that's happening and so in terms of like which groups so thinking about like a wechat as an example what kind of groups of marketers um, are engaging sorry what type of audience are marketers using WeChat for to engage with? So like when you're talking about the direct Mm. relationship, is it just authors or is it editors or peer reviewers? You know, what's the kind of ecosystem there?
1: Yeah. I mean in terms of WeChat accounts, um, you know, we would look to bring um on board as followers your your key stakeholders within an institution. Yeah. So obviously the same people often often wear different hats, whether that be author, reviewer, editor. Um yeah. and if we're looking at so so WeChat, you know, is a channel that can really raise your your brand profile. And I'd also say, you know, it really is um a prerequisite to being in the China market. Yeah. Um, if you want to to take um china seriously you need a wechat account so that that really is you know uh, a, a barrier to entry if you if you're not not prepared to go there so the wechat account it allows you really to to promote your brand and really to build a community around your key stakeholders um which are likely to be you know, the authors reviewers uh and editors and the key researchers with within the institutions
0: now i think WeChat's an interesting one like you said and it'd be good for you to expand on for those who don't have such a good sense of WeChat in terms of how integral it is in people's everyday lives. I mean, it's astounding.
1: It it is. So, I mean, WeChat is, they call it the super app, and there isn't really a a Western equivalence of of that. If you can kind of imagine, um, you know, Facebook and and Amazon and um, dating apps kind of all coming together in a a super app, that's kind of somewhere where where you're at. So WeChat has, one point two billion monthly active users um, the penetration rate within china um, is is over seventy eight percent of the country, so you 're getting um you know really the the majority of the Chinese population now the key metric that I look at is also engagement so it 's not just that everyone is on WeChat but never looks at it um, yeah. The last time we, um, we we looked at the survey data, um, the average person uses WeChat for up to eighty two minutes per day. So people are using the app, but they're using it in their everyday life. So, you know, you can use it for e-commerce. You can use it to ride the metro, to pay your bills. Um, Really... There's a function for everything within within WeChat, or there's a, a, a an e-commerce store. Um, WeChat Pay is one of the you know the biggest payment uh, vendors within within China. So really, there's so many reasons to use WeChat. Um, mm-hmm. It's really this kind of ecosystem on its own, um, which is dominant uh, in, in terms of uh, how long you you spend um, on, online every day.
0: I mean, it it really is an incredibly powerful service, and it's interesting when you say that it's got over. People are on it for over 80 minutes a day because I was doing some research the other day for something. And it was and it said that on average, people generally spend about 23 minutes on a mobile device a day. Mm. I was at 24 minutes. And actually, since the pandemic, it's added an additional 23 minutes on top. But that still doesn't reach anywhere near what they're using in China in terms of how long they're on it. And it's amazing. You can go into a shop and you can just, you know, buy things with your WeChat app in a shop and you can order a taxi or buy it, pay for the taxi. It's just a, like you say, it's a super app. It's an incredible system. Um, and also the, the engagement will be very high because it does so many things mm. and it just makes life so much easier for people. Um, so how well is WeChat adopted outside of China? Because we were talking about, how many users it has mm. and i don't know if that number of users is you know maybe there's um people um in america or all over the world who may be using it as well
1: so i mean wechat obviously is 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 dominant within china outside of china um the current stats are around about 100 to 200 million users mm-hmm. um singapore malaysia being been kind of the, the two countries where you've got um much larger uh, adoption mm-hmm. so Outside of China, the adoption is is much less um, in in terms of, of sheer numbers. But yeah. I think the, the key thing that we notice um, working with, with with publishers is you know you can see where all your WeChat followers are based, uh, and when you look at that data, um, what you can see is obviously universities have very strong connections all around the world with their, their Chinese equivalents. Um, there are Chinese researchers um, working around the world, especially in you know, the UK, the US, Australia, and Europe. So um, you do see uh, a number of users in, in kind of the, the key countries that have you know, very big uh, research institutions. Um, and you know, from the research we've done, that that would tend to be uh, either overseas students or it would tend to be uh, overseas Chinese uh, professors working within with institutions. So while well, WeChat gives you... The audience within mainland China, uh, yeah. it does also give you that additional um, reach in terms of uh, um, people from China working and, uh, and living around the world.
0: That's amazing. And of course, I think I read an article. I mean, I don't know how the pandemic has affected things since, but I read an article a couple of years ago, which was talking about the significant investment that China was having. And also in terms of like the number, the numbers in terms of um, research that it was starting to beat the USA, mm-hmm. for example, And um, there was also the because of this significant investment that was happening in research, it was becoming more attractive for people to go back to China that originally came from China because there were more opportunities. But also for Westerners were thinking, well, this is a great place. You know, this is so much opportunities. And that's going to be fascinating to see how that changes over the next few years, because I know that they've got some really ambitious plans. Mm -hmm. Um, so, which is the most popular service that marketeers are using and what is the goal that's helping them to achieve mm-hmm. this?
1: So, I mean, in terms of the, the the services that we offer, obviously our WeChat service is, is number one. Uh, the majority of our, our customers um, take our WeChat account management service, uh, yeah. often additional services, but that's that's usually kind of the, the core service. Um, the reason is, is obviously if you want to be in china you, you really need a wechat account you really need a proper wechat strategy
0: yeah. um
1: so that's our, our key service and we work um with with customers around their brand on, on wechat and um the the key thing for us about the, the WeChat services, you know, it isn't just about um pushing out content. And as I said earlier, you know, what we we don't want to do is just kind of replicate, translate and and post out content that, that publishers are pushing out around the world. Um what our team will do is work with you on a a plan based around your your goals. Um, from that, we'll create a content plan, working with the publisher using their existing content and maybe some new pieces. But we'll also um, work with some of their stakeholders. So um, what we tend to have is a partnership whereby we will work with uh, some key editors, editorial board members, um, authors who who maybe got some uh, you know some papers who are coming through which uh, yeah. we really want to promote. So we manage a, a kind of a group of. of um, key opinion leaders on behalf of the publisher, which are the publisher's key stakeholders within China. Yeah. Um, through that, we can work with them on content co-creation, but also on making sure the account has, has impact through sharing of contents and really make sure we can uh, utilize the networks of, of those key opinion leaders who already work with with the publisher. So that's one of the key things we do is to work with those um, uh, KOLs within China on behalf of the publisher to uh, to, to really uh, increase reach and increase the number of followers on on that account. As influencer marketing may be huge, uh, you know, in the UK and the US, in China it's even bigger. Yeah. Um, and certainly within the academic sphere, um, you know, there are a number, there are a lot of um, you know key opinion leader academics who who we can we can work with to uh, to to really help a publisher.
0: Wow, well, that's fascinating about the influencer marketing side. I don't think I'd really thought about that, but absolutely, it makes total sense. Um, So in terms of what is most important to those marketers that you're working with right now, based on, I guess it's based on, you know, like you said, what their strategy is. Mm -hmm. But when we're thinking about like um, brand awareness, if the impact factor declines, because even though impact factor isn't Mm -hmm. as important, it still is important. We can't Mm -hmm. get away from it. So that'd be really interesting to know is what is most important to those marketers that you're working with right now?
1: So it tends to differ from, from client to client. So um, some clients, you know, we're very much focused on um, author acquisition and submission through to acceptance. Um, Another publisher we're really looking at um the experience of the authors. So they have a very high share of, of Chinese authors, um, well known in China, but you know, we're constantly looking at ways to improve the author experience through integrations, uh, using our, our gateway service into WeChat, mm-hmm. um, through really creating a, a branded Chinese local language experience um in WeChat, but also uh through their website, you know, with uh, every step of, of the journey. Um, so that's another key area that um that we work with, as, as well as author acquisition, and then um, really in terms of brand. So, you know, we do a lot of brand work, but then through the media monitoring, we can then also look at the impact of that uh, yeah. over time, and also alert the uh, the publisher to anything that is, is problematic that uh, that has come up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's incredibly important that they're able to have a reactive strategy because social media or anything social or online is so instantaneous. Mm-hmm that you can't ignore it. Um, it must be fascinating when someone takes up a service like that for the first time and they haven't been monitoring what's been happening in China and they start to look to see and get a real sense of saying, right, this is how we need to deal with this situation. This is how we might need to reposition ourselves. And I think the the um, when you can, for example, with like WeChat, when you can integrate it into a workflow where part of the submission process or part of the publication process is that, an author can get an alert through WeChat on various stages of the workflow. And that helps them to, um, to be more time efficient in terms of quicker on their turnaround of doing things with a service, with an app that they're already using so much all the time. Mm. Not like me with my black hole of email. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, So what are interesting campaigns? Obviously, we're not going to ask you to name anyone, but (laughs) what are sort of the interesting campaigns that you've seen that your clients are using and um, if they have any specific objectives that they're trying to achieve?
1: Yeah, so... I mean, in terms of uh, interesting campaigns, there's a couple of examples that we've we've run recently. So, um, one is working with a client who we also represent for sales. Um, yes. So, we created a usage campaign through WeChat. So, it was part offline in terms of working with the libraries and encouraging them to um, to be part of the, um, the the quiz campaign that we did, and then the online part was through WeChat, which is you know a, a usage quiz with um, different activities via WeChat, but obviously linked back to to content. So. So, you know the end goal is is increasing usage within the organization, um, but we did that partly. Through offline, through our own team who are out in the market, and uh, through the uh, the librarians we work with, and then online through WeChat. So you know, we gained WeChat followers, and we then also um, supported the uh, the publisher in terms of, of usage, which obviously supports sports sales. So um, that that was a, a fun one to do because it was it was part of our offline on, on online, which yeah. we haven't been able to do as as much recently. But um, you know, we are able to get out and about now in in China, uh, and the team is, is out meeting libraries um the uh, other campaign um which i mean that one of the big growth areas in china is really short video and and live streaming um and and yes that's 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 big in the uk but um you know when you look at the the numbers in China and actually the growth of, of short video in just in the last year, it's um, it, it's huge. And what you're seeing is you know, WeChat's really looking to adapt to that because um, TikTok exists in China. It's obviously it's yeah. a Chinese product. Uh, so Doyin is the, the Chinese version of the app. Um, WeChat is adjusting itself um, through offering um, uh, ways of accessing short video and live streaming. Um, and we've worked with a publisher um, using a, a video mini app um, so, where authors um, submit video abstracts, uh, and then we have a uh, a competition around that, where uh, where where followers can uh, can can vote on on those videos, um, and we've had tremendous engagement uh, in in terms of that exercise. I mean, the the, the views we had were uh, were huge to some of the videos.
0: I bet that would work really well if you were to have a regional event with poster abstracts as well. Mm. Love it. Um, so. What, um, so how are marketers measuring the performance of these campaigns? Because as marketers, obviously, mm. being able to demonstrate return on investment, being able to measure knowing what you're doing is effective and is doing what you want it to do is incredibly important. Mm. So, um, how are they doing this and how are you helping them?
1: Yeah, so I think that there's a few areas when it comes to uh, to, to, to this. So, I mean, I think the the, the first is you know, the risk of not being in China. So yeah. what I would say is, you know, if you're a brand who entering China and you've never had a marketing presence, um, it's going to take a while um, to, to really build up followers or, or to really cut through and have an impact. Yeah. Um, but the other side of that is actually the, the longer term risk is if your brand isn't present, and if you aren't building your brand now, then the changes that we talked about, around, around about open access, around uh, the, the funding and the research policies are gonna start to hurt in, in two, three years time. So mm-hmm. it is important to, to really um, look at the market now, but also bear in mind that because it is so huge, it actually takes a well while to, to cut through. But when we look at metrics, there are a few things that, that we can do. so. For publishers that work with us, very much focused on on author acquisition. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're running um, direct campaigns through through Baidu, for instance, which which we are for some clients around journals, um, very much talk, targeted in author acquisition. We can of course kind of do the the similar traditional marketing funnels of um, you know right through to to submission of, of papers through the activity that we're we're running. Yeah. With WeChat, uh, we provide an English language dashboard. Um, so WeChat itself. Um, you're free, you're free to kind of go into to the back end, but it's all in, in Chinese. Yeah. Um, so we've created our own uh, English language um, dashboard for publishers so they can look at all the, the metrics there. Um, so what we can do is, again, it would really start with your baseline for this. So on the one hand, there's the metrics of the campaigns themselves. So. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, the the number of followers you're getting, the number of views you're getting through to your posts yeah. um, and the click-throughs, you get a a call to action at the bottom of every post. So you can, you can track those as well. So you've got your metrics on the one hand, but then again, I would also look at what was the, the baseline for you in terms of uh, media monitoring uh, and in terms of the mentions of your brand, in terms of the positives versus negative mentions of your brand. And um, we can also start to build up a, a picture that way um, in the longer term, about how this activity is uh, really increasing mentions um, increasing that, that positive uh, brand awareness for you and uh how we address any any negative sentiment in the market
0: i don't have a WeChat account, and so um it's hard for me to visualize this but what we'll do is um I think I do remember that you did a a presentation recently I think it was when you went for the um Alps Would. award, and um you and I and I feel like I saw WeChat stuff on there. Am I right?
1: Yes, yes. I mean, we can we can screen share uh, and and do a demo of, of WeChat.
0: So um, I can include the link as well to um, any footage in the description. So if anyone wants to go and have a look, yeah. So what I was wondering, my my thought process there was I was wondering. So in terms of like the other like online or social channels that I'm used to. Hmm do you have the same kind of activity or behavior where people, if they see a post, they like it, they share it.
1: Mm. Yeah. You do. Yes. So um, for WeChat, you know, the key metrics, there are, you know, a number of uh, followers that you yeah. get, and we, also, you know, we track the the unfollows and then the, the new follows you get. So you can, you can see um, what's working. You can then look at the views to your posts um, and you can isolate that data, however you want. So you can look at which posts have uh, performed well. Um, yeah. So we will, provide a report to our clients to show them what contents worked well, what maybe hasn't created engagement, what the total number of views um, was. And if we integrate anything into WeChat, we can also then look at how those services are used as well. So uh, if you've yeah. integrated uh, your editorial systems, uh, we can track through in terms of number of users and, and how many messages have been going back and forth. Um, so you can start to, to, to look at that. Um, and you can also track your QR code as well. So if you have c- campaigns, Outside of WeChat, which are promoting your QR code, um, so you know if you have if you've um, done an email campaign, for instance, or you've added it to your website, we can we can track how often that QR code is is being scanned. So you can then look and see what activity is driving followers to to WeChat.
0: I think that's an important thing you mentioned because certainly in the UK before the pandemic, QR codes were you know people some people knew what they were, but they mm-hmm. weren't necessarily used as well as they could have been now in the uk after having things like um the pandemic like the nhs app and scanning when you go places and we're all a bit more used to them now but they're actually um heavily adopted in china aren't they they've always been yeah they've always been a great metric so actually also in terms of when a market is thinking about print collateral qr codes are great because um they're going to be allowed to easily measure the effectiveness of that print collateral where in the uk for example or europe it hasn't always been that easy to do because you know not everyone was scanning the qr code unfortunately
1: yeah it was always a problem it's called the qr code economy so qr codes are, are, are everywhere you know it's how you can make payments um it's how you can access a whole a whole set of services um so if you go to china um you know, you actually, if, if you don't have the WeChat app and you can't scan QR codes, you're going to find yourself at a disadvantage anyway, <laughs> as it really is a, a key part of, of, of life within, within China. So um, one of the things that we always advise clients to do is, you know, when we launch a uh, WeChat account is, is really to think about, you know, where are your touch points already with your, your Chinese stakeholders, in which case, yeah. you know, you can promote the account through through that and uh, we'll scan the QR code.
0: Yeah, no, fantastic. So, um, what tips would you give to marketers who are looking to specifically increase engagement with the community that's in China?
1: So, again, I think it, it, you need to look at what, what base you're starting with. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, some, a number of publishers are very successful already. Um, others you know, uh, can see the potential and, and want to, to tap into that. So, that's, that's obviously key. Um, so, I mean, number one is, you know, you must have a, a WeChat account. Um, yeah. That's that's just, you know, the cost of, of doing business within China. But once yeah. that's in place, you know, you can really start to, to, to build, build from there. Um, and then it's really thinking about... Uh, i would say you need you need to think it a little bit longer term so you know where do you want to be in a period of months because yeah. you know if you're starting from a low base you know you've really got to start to cut through the rest of the noise and the competition that's that's yeah. there um so it's really about uh, creating a authentic Brand presence within China and linking that back to um, great content. Um, so, as anywhere, you know, good content will will work. Um, yeah. Content that uh, is kind of copied from from other campaigns and uh, is is not great quality in terms of uh, you know the eyes of your Chinese stakeholders is not going to work. So, you know, it has to be down to that content plan and really looking at. What you want to save us is what the audience is is looking at you for. Um, so you know we do a lot around working with publishers around the uh, Chinese authored articles. Um, and you know, the, the key key journals, and then you know what's the key information that your your stakeholders are really looking for in terms of the decisions that they're looking to make. Um, okay. So you know we we really look at uh, how we can how we can help a publisher through creating great content, and also do we need to react to any content that's that's already out there? Um, as I said yeah. earlier, if you've got a if you have an issue and that your brand isn't being seen in the way that you want because of historical content that's bounced around which is user generated then you know we can look at how we uh we position you uh again in a positive light against yeah. maybe some some of the uh, uh sentiment that already exists
0: no absolutely and i must apologize for that noise just then if you heard that <laughs> it's like a blooper moment that was my dog scratching <laughs> um on her on the sofa honestly um so I mean, I think you're absolutely right, is that you have to really be very clear and specific with what your objectives are that you want to ultimately achieve and then start from there. But it is very much like you said about building your brand. WeChat account is an absolute must to get started. And also in terms of managing your expectations that uh, with many online services and, um, you know, like YouTube channel is the same. Don't expect that you're suddenly going to have an influx of followers and, you know, it's going to be massive. Because authentic niche target audiences take time to build, but when you build them, the engagement mm. is there because ultimately they're the ones that want to be engaged with your services, that want to see what you've got to offer. Mm. I do love um, some of the examples that you gave about the different types of campaigns that clients are doing as well. I'm going back to that because it's just really interesting to hear like the bit of the buzz that's happening in terms of when you use different quizzes and things like that and how successful that they can be. And what a great driver that is. And because you have all the integrations and the interconnectivity as well, it's just quite seamless for Mm. the person that's doing it. So it just makes it even more fun. Um, And to be fair, that's what they're used to. You know, when you have such a massive service like WeChat, that's so embedded in everything they do, they expect it to be super seamless. Mm. Um, So what are the big no-nos that you would say for anyone that's thinking of doing marketing in china or um has already is already in china but maybe needs to um have a better sense of absolutely don't do this or mm. you know this isn't yeah just don't do this
1: yeah i mean i think the the key ones you know if you're looking at the basics are obviously the marketing needs to be in, in chinese yeah. um, you know that, that that really is key um and also it, the content has to be localized and relevant for, for the local market so you have to put a focus there you know just translating content is, yeah. is not going to work um, our team obviously um, you know are aware of any any local sensitivity so you know we can advise in terms of that was as, as yeah. we look at uh, as we look at content and I think if you're going to manage the channels yourself um, one of the things that um, we spend an Increasingly, large amount of time on is uh, uh, the verification processes. So, in China, every social account um, uh, has a verification process. A website yeah. needs an ICP number. Um, any uh, account through Baidu, for instance, needs uh, a verification. And these are then annual processes that you have to to go through. So, um, you know, there's a, a number of documents that you have to to submit to get those to get those working and you know they require things like a uh a mobile phone number which uh you know your phone numbers are again regulated in china in terms of uh, your ability to, to to get them so there are quite a few um administrative steps that you have to take in order to to set up the different channels um within china um and you know if you're not equipped to do that it, it can be um, quite a quite a pain point for you um, you know whereas uh, we we, we, work, um, a lot with BitBadu, we work a lot with Bit we work a lot with with WeChat so uh, you know we both understand the steps and we also uh, know the, uh, the the key stakeholders within those organizations as we're we're talking to them uh, fairly regularly in terms of uh, of our own accounts yeah. um, but we do see problems um there with uh, you know accounts uh, not not being verified for instance if uh, if you're not aware of the process so we have helped other organizations in, in the past and just in terms of uh, managing that side of things
0: that sounds really tricky <laughs> i was thinking of doing some uh, marketing in china but right now i'm thinking oh i have to chat to you <laughs> so um i think we also um so we talked about the fact that um the chinese language is key and um, also that uh, one of the interesting points that you have mentioned to me before when we've discussed is how um, is a censorship of um, content sometimes. And like WeChat, for example, mm. will censor. And I wonder if you would just want to expand on that a bit more.
1: Um, there, there's, there is an auto-censor um, ability within, within, within WeChat. So, um, again, it's, you know, in STM publishing, the majority of the time, you know, you're not going to have a problem. And, you know, our, our team can, can can advise on that. Um, there's also, you know, regulations around things like the medical area, for instance. So in medical publishing, you have to look at the, the marketing content carefully because, you know, possibly it can fall foul of the regulations which um, are intended, you know, to, to stop misinformation around uh, pharmaceutical products or, you know, um, um, fake pharmaceutical products been, uh, been been retailed and there's been a big um, a push against you know that within China in the last couple of years in terms of, of kind of regulation of of the pharmaceutical and the healthcare industry um, so it's not a barrier to to STM publishers um, but it is simply um, you know in terms of that content creation something you you have to be aware of if you're if you're in the medical area is actually um, what what you can what you can
0: post and and what you can't yeah. It's a really important thing to know, though, isn't it? And um, and it's interesting that that happens, certainly in like a, a medical area. Are there any other subject areas that come to mind right now that that also potentially may have some difficulty?
1: Um, again, I think it depends on the content. What, yeah, the the, the the content and yeah, yeah for the majority of the time in STEM publishing, if you know you're talking about a, a science article, then you know you're not you're not going to have any. Um, any, any problems obviously you know there is a a, a level of, of censorship within yeah. China um but working in the the science area it's not really a problem that you'll you'll come across um a lot
0: yeah um, that's really good um but it's also very good that people are specifically aware of what might happen um and also I think it's interesting that when we talk about because you know, we're dealing with very different cultures here from what I'm used to and what I grew up with, for example. And so it's um, it's it's really important, I think, that people are culturally aware. And, and from my perspective, I think I'd probably always recommend a client to go and seek specialist support hmm. and specialist advice. Because um, if you make a mistake, if someone makes a mistake, it could be detrimentally bad for your brand. And we know that there are stats when we say, what is it, five to 25 times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is an old one? Or it's uh, not an old one, but a, a current customer. And so retention is so key. Mm. And if you, and that media monitoring is really important because if something's happening and you don't realize about it, it's like using, for me, it's like using a service like Reddit. Yeah. I find that fascinating when I go and stick a publisher's journal in there and it comes up with uh, all these discussions and I'm like, woo! <laughs>
1: I think this is it in that, you know, yes, publishers are aware of what's been said on uh, English language social, uh, you know, and then forums like Reddit and, you know, they know where they they maybe have um, problems or weaknesses and they're able to address that. Um, It's actually interesting in China, you'll often sit down with a potential client and they're they're not really aware of what's been said about them. Um, And some of it, you know maybe true but actually some of it could have been twisted and distorted over the years and, and a you know a strange perception of them or a certain journal or a certain incident has has occurred um yeah. and and we do see that and certainly there is um a lot of debate on, on chinese social media about the quality of journals uh about certain publishers and about certain journal titles um and you know we we, we track that uh and and i mean, i we, the media monitoring service we provide is, uh, is in English, so we, we translate any of the comments through. So I, I, I kind of see quite a bit of what, what, what goes back <laughs> and forth. And th- th- there is you know, some very interesting debate, certainly around um, quality and open access titles that, uh, that, that takes place. And oh, wow. you know, we're starting to see um, a couple of the, uh, the, the kind of so-called red lists um, you know, that institutions are bringing out in China. Um, obviously, there's the Chinese Academy of Science list, that was more of an advisory list against publishing in, in a certain number of titles, a uh, certain, certain um, list of titles. Um, the list that we're seeing from other institutions now are very much um, you know red lists of, you know, you won't get academic credit for publishing in these. Um, and wow, you, and, they, and
0: anybody could end up on this list, not just like, for example, predatory publishers it could just
1: they're they're not predatory titles in in the main i think there's a couple there but certainly not the majority are on predatory titles um the way they've been put together is is opaque in terms of the in terms of the reasoning and another reason why why some are on and maybe some some aren't um and you know there's there's different factors that you can see there around um around Quality metrics. Um, the other one we we, we noticed is um, journals that have very high percentages of, of Chinese authorship. Um, so over over fifty percent uh, are also, I think, being um, looked at. And, and some of these lists, from a, a you know point of view, of, uh, are they titles that are simply there to uh, to, to to gain Chinese authorship and, and APCs? So there's an opaque kind of um, set of reasons behind why uh, certain titles are there um, we expect to see more lists later on this year and then we do also see a, a lively debate around potential titles that may be on certain institutional lists as well so there's there's, there's different things that are taking place
0: you might have to just pull together an industry report Andrew, <laughs> and, and uh, share it with the community that would be uh that would be really um yeah really well, interesting like you know the themes that are coming out over the year
1: yeah, well, we do a bulletin to our our clients. So I do a monthly bulletin out to to all the publishers that um, that we work with, and actually just just come from a call and oh, we've been, been talking about that. So um, that was actually the feature we did uh, this month was around the uh, the journal list. Um, we did an overview of the the Chinese um, academic publisher um, market um, the previous month as well in terms of uh, the, the the movements there and the launch of new titles and funding and uh, um, yeah, how how that was developing.
0: That must be an incredibly insightful report. Um, I hope so. <laughs> i become a client to get access now. I can send you. A- I want to buy it from you. <laughs> um, brilliant. So the other thing before we finish up, um, there is one other area that I wanted to cover. And that was just um, you touched on it before in terms of um, what was happening in the marketplace in China with co-publishing or domestic mm. publishing. And I wonder if you could just expand on that a bit more, because as I mentioned, we know that there's been significant investment Mm. from the Chinese government in research, in R&D, and um, that's been recorded significantly over the past couple of years. Mm. Um, And I just wondered in terms of, you know, when we see also um, moves for um, Chinese organizations who are buying publishers or subsidiaries of publishers, and um, looking to have a stronger foothold in the market. Um, I think it's really interesting when we, when we look at like the domestic side of what titles are being published in China and the growth of that, because I think in terms of thinking about what people are up against, um, what's sort of happening in China at the moment in terms of like the domestic side. Yeah,
1: I mean, in terms of the, the Chinese domestic uh, publishing industry, there already is um, thousands of, of academic journals, albeit the vast majority are in, in Chinese. There's, yeah. um, uh, there's, there's only a couple of hundred uh, English language journals. Yeah. Now, there's kind of two things are happening. One is obviously with the uh, research policy. Last year, that talked about 30% of um, articles to be into chinese domestic titles yeah. um, so that's obviously um encouraging submission through into into local journals yeah. um, just to kind of provide clarity i mean a local journal um has to have a cn number so it has to be a chinese registered journal and in yeah. order for that to be the case it has to be owned by the, the chinese entity so uh-huh. it can be co-published um, yeah. with an international publisher yeah, yeah, of of which the majority are. Um so, so Springer and Elsevier have, have the majority of of those titles. Um, but it has to actually be owned by by the Chinese partner and then um has to have it has a journal license and then a CN number, which is yeah. it's, it's distinguished from, for being a domestic journal versus say a title which is um has a has a Chinese based editor or uh, yes. you know a long 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 term partnership maybe yeah. uh, between a Chinese institution and an international publisher um, you know that may not not class as the domestic journal um, so you then also have the uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, excellence framework around um, domestic titles which is looking to increase um, the number of domestic titles by four hundred over the coming years of which there's oh, wow. funding available for thirty um, new titles per per year so there's funding in the market for journals and what we're um, seeing and hearing is, um, Typically, um, institutions are looking to, uh, to to launch journals and, and win funding to, to, to do that. Um, there are some university presses within China. So, obviously, Tsinghua is uh, university press is um, the biggest, and then there's there's some other uh, private um, publishing companies uh, as well. But a lot of the domestic titles are published out of the universities um, uh, in the main. But you're certainly seeing a lot of activity there, and you know um, I, we expect a, a number of um, journal launches. Um, most will be with international publishers in co-publishing arrangements um, at the moment Uh, but we'll certainly see growth there Uh, and there's a lot of interest from those titles right now in in obviously the services international publishers offer Um, we're talking to international publishers about um, how to market their services and sign those those titles within in the market as well Um, and then because the funding is at the journal level there's obviously an interest in marketing services and editing services um in in training so you know there's a there's there's a lot going on right now
0: that's huge and um my last question to you about that is as um and it's really interesting to hear about the number of journals that they're looking to have available over the next few years is there um a specific subject area that seems to be um more um that there's going to be more journals coming out of or is it just you know all subject areas
1: um at the moment we're seeing most of them in the stm area yeah um and you know the the medical area as well but I, you know, I think there will be ones outside of that. Um, yeah. I, I did see that uh, DeGreuter had launched a, a Journal of, of Chinese Film Studies, so you know that there is clearly a, uh, an interest outside of, of STM as well, but I would yeah. expect most of them would be within within the STM fields.
0: Oh, fantastic. Andrew, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Now, is there anything else that you want to add or any other tips that you want to give us?
1: Um, obviously uh, you know if, if we're, we're always here if you if you want to talk to us so yes just you know, drop, drop me a note if uh, if there's anything uh, anyone wants to anyone wants to talk about we do a lot of um, you know one-on-one consulting um, so obviously we provide services but um, as I mentioned earlier you know we can work with publishers that have got a local team that have a specific need where we're working as a partner Uh um, or we can, you know, work on the basis of a one, one-time consulting projects or uh, or a longer-term consultancy arrangement. So, um, always always kind of happy to uh, to, to look at new projects, or always excited to uh, to get our teeth into something new.
0: I think that's a great thing about being a service provider is that, um, like you, we get to get involved in lots of different types of projects, and it's the variety of the different types of projects yeah. and the creativity that come out of different teams. And sometimes you're like. Oh, that is a good idea. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so, so much. So what we'll do is we'll make sure that your details are included in the description. So if people want to connect with you, they can do that directly. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to say to you, thank you so, so much for joining us today.
1: No problem. It's been been great to speak with you, Lou.
0: And uh, and hopefully next time we might see your big, enormous cat. Yeah. Still yet to see. Yes. Just so that you don't, obviously I, you guys don't know because we were talking about this before, but Andrew has a main Coon and so I was just expecting this enormous fear yeah. <laughs> at some point, just walk past behind you.
1: I, I think she's upstairs at the moment, but uh, yes, my, my previous skull, she was uh, she was jumping around, so yeah, she, she hasn't made a... Uh,
0: <laughs> I do expect in. her to be like on her hind legs just walking past you. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you so much, Andrew.
1: Good to speak with you, Lou. Thank you.